Good morning, Shiloh. Happy Mother's Day. I want to take just a minute and welcome all of those who are watching online, all of you at the Tazewell location and the ladies at the Claiborne County Detention Center. We love you all. We are so glad you're part of us. So we are one church wherever you are. So let's come together and welcome everyone. Today is a special day to celebrate our mothers. I just wanted to pray over all of you mothers and anyone that has played the role of a mother in anyone's life. So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the gift of mothers. I thank you for their care, their love, their sacrifices. And Lord, I just lift them up to you today. Lord, that in the hard days that they would remember where their help comes from, where their strength comes from. And Lord, in those good days, let us always remember to give you thanks. And Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to work in their lives to lead and guide them. And Lord, just show us how to pour into our children to show them your faithfulness. Lord, if there's an inheritance that we can leave to our children, let it be the goodness of who you are, the power of your word in their lives. And Lord, I just pray that on this day and every day of their lives that you would just overwhelm them with all spiritual blessings. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. We have a special guest today that is near and dear to David and I. She's, she, if you have been at Shiloh any length of time, I'm sure that you have heard the name Tonya Allen because we love her dearly. And we just wanted David, when he was deciding who was going to speak while he was away, he said, for Mother's Day, we need Tonya. We need a lady to speak to all the mothers. So... Would you please welcome Tonya Allen? Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Taswell. It is good to be home for the holidays. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to all the moms, but I really want to give out a, a shout out to all the parents. So hold your hand up if you have one or more kids. Okay. Keep it up if you have more than one kid. Okay. Keep it up if what parenting style works for one and doesn't work for the other and you have no idea what to do sometimes with them. Okay. All right. Both hands up and surrender to Jesus if you need help because your parenting plans have not worked out. <laughs> well, these are my two sons, Dalton and Jackson. And though this picture was taken on a hospital bed 14 years ago, right after I gave birth to Jackson, it captured the very essence of their dispositions even up until today. So you have compliant little Dalton, the older son. Sure, Mom, whatever makes you happy. And then you have perturbed Jackson. What is the meaning of this, and why are you bothering me with it? So, <laughs> yeah. One is a rule follower, Dalton, and one is a rule questioner. Dalton is a headstrong rule follower to the point that he will annoy his own employer because if they ask him to sacrifice quality for quantity, he will cite the OSHA statute as to why X must be done before Y. He will honor the authority over him even if he's mad about it, even if it doesn't make sense to him. 
And he's a super thoughtful human. He's the kind of person that spends his paycheck on his parents for Christmas. And he buys me Easter baskets in February because the candy just came out. And it's not just me. He, uh, when he was a cashier at Walmart, he would buy candy for every little kid that went through his line just to make them happy. And when he did the grocery pickup, if he took groceries out to a car and the family seemed underprivileged, he had a teddy bear on hand to give to the kids. So... He's otherworldly kind, and these are the kind of pictures, one more, that he likes to take. He came up with this idea, so he's just super sweet. Like, when I see a smiley face, I think of Dalton. But sadly, he has become so jaded by people, because right now is kind of a cruel time in our culture, and people are otherworldly unpleasant right now. He's decided he's done with humanity, so he went to work on the night shift to get away from people. And he's unplugged from everything social, including church, including college, and he's just content to live among the shadows, and I pray all the time that he'll come out and share himself with the world because the world needs Daltons. And then I have my Jackson, who Pastor David lovingly named Action while we were here, and for good reason. He is a headstrong rule questioner to the point that it gets him in hot water. And these are the kind of pictures that he takes. That's the same day. And I'm confident that two seconds after this was snapped, he poked Dalton right in the eye and ran off behind that tree. (laughs) And that's still true for today. He doesn't like to follow rules. He wants to know if they're important and beneficial to his life. And he wants to know who made it and what they stood to gain out of it and how his life is going to be impacted by obeying or not obeying it. And he's willing to delegate and cut corners and minimize the workload and maximize the profits. He's otherworldly smart in the most adult of ways. So you're never going to get a bluff over on him. So middle school is not fun. He's like, now you know they're saying that to scare us, Mom. You know, he's like, you're going to take my pizza party? Woo, I can eat pizza anytime. So (laughs) he's a tough one. (laughs) He wears me down to the nub of life sometimes. Because he's so headstrong, and one day we were just going at it, and, you know, he's always right. And I said, I know who you are because I used to be you. And I about killed my mom trying to wear her down, but let me tell you something. I'm stronger than you, is what I said, and I will win, is what I told him. He doesn't like church unless he picks it and gets to go with a friend, and he'll fight for an underdog until he gets his own self in trouble. Me and Sean are always trying to get him involved in church, and we roped him into work in the coffee shop one morning. And he said, now why would I get out of bed and serve coffee to people who can clearly afford their own coffee? (laughs) I said, well, son, they do pay for it, and it goes to help people in need. And then he was all about it because he loves things like that. So we get him there, and we start teaching him how to work the coffee shop, and he's going to do the register. And I said, now, son, sometimes people pay it forward, and they might give you five, and they want to pay for the next four people and bless them so it'll be free. So Sean and I start making all the orders, and by the end of the shift, we go to close out the drawer, and he pulls out this fat stack of cash, and he's just fanning it. And he said, look how much pay it forward I got, Mom. I said, oh, my Lord, Jackson, you're not supposed to ask people to pay it forward and keep it. He said, well, wasn't that the point to take people, take people's money who could afford things for people who couldn't and go buy diapers and formula and stuff? And I was like, oh, geez. So we don't know if he's going to be a CEO or a prophet or Robin Hood one day, but he is going to be the leader of whatever it is. I'm confident. 
So sometimes me and Sean just look at each other and say, I don't know what to do with him. Do you? And he'll say no. And I know what some of you are thinking. I know what to do. It's called a belt. And we've tried that, and that doesn't work either. So (laughs) needless to say, he never got offered to work the coffee shop again. But the point is, at ages 14 and 21, I thought my boys would love school and be in honors programs. And I thought at ages 14 and 21, my boys would be heading toward life plans that made me feel like they were going to be okay. Because I strived really hard as a mother to give them those opportunities. And I thought they would be fully immersed in church. And I thought they'd love it like I do and want to find ways to serve and be involved But as they've gotten older and it's getting harder to make them do anything, and I'm trying to let them develop their own interests and find their own faith, I find myself up against battles that I just can't win. And I'm fearful and exhausted and confused and disappointed in my parenting sometimes because life is not turning out at all like I pictured it would at this point in their lives. It's so much harder. And then there's me and Sean. Some of you know this, some of you don't, but he has left ministry as a, as a vocation and gone to work for the behavioral health field. So it's great in some ways because we can travel around a lot more like this and do things and visit friends' churches, and it's been very freeing. But it's also very maddening because for the first time in 18 years, God has not said, I want you here at this specific church doing this specific thing. So we feel like Abraham and Sarah just traveling through lands to a destination we know not of. Doing messages here and visiting there and uh, serving over yonder. And I'm like, what are we doing, Lord? At ages 42, I thought our ministry life would look so much different. That we would have roots and we'd be rounding the end of your plan. And now it's like we're waiting just to start all over again. It's been both thrilling and frustrating as we wait Sunday after Sunday on direction. In short, parenting is hard and ministry is hard and marriage is hard and life is hard. Waiting on everything to turn out and come to fruition is hard. I have visions and dreams for my sons and I'm telling you right now that my life and my motherhood does not look like I imagined it would. My son's church lives and relationships with Jesus do not look like I thought they would look at this point in their lives. Like people prophesied they would. Things that happened when they were young that led me to believe they were going to early on be these mighty young men of God who served and chased and couldn't wait to be in the presence and didn't care if there were 10 worship songs before they were like, it's just about over, you know, those kind of things. I'm still waiting on all of that to come about. And mine and Sean's ministry life does not look like I imagined it would at this point in our lives. Like people prophesied that they would. I'm still waiting on all those solid words from God to play out. So today, the message that I really believe God wanted me to share with you has nothing to do with uh, parenting or ministry or marriage or anything like that. It's something more all-encompassing. So I called it the wait. I don't know a lot of people who like to wait. I don't really like to. I can. I can delay gratification, but I'd much prefer for God to move and hurry along and do it in my time, and that's human. I think he knew we would wrestle with this because I found at least 100 scriptures on it while I was preparing this message. 
But one widely known one that uh, we hear a lot, we've heard it in worship songs, is Isaiah 40, 31. It says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I don't know about you, but waiting on God to do the thing you need him to do feels like the very opposite of all these peaceful things. And in my angst and under the pressure, I often feel like I have to do something to help him along, which is absurd. I've had to realize in my life that striving is not of God. I don't have to do that to make something that is of him happen. I've had to learn in my life that God is for me. My father loves me and his best is waiting for me. And sometimes it's waiting on me to calm down and stop fretting. And sometimes it's waiting on me to be spiritually mature enough to handle the thing that he wants to give me. Sometimes it's waiting on me to work out my issues. And sometimes he doesn't even bother to give me a certain thing because his will is way bigger and better for me than I could have ever imagined for myself. And I've had to learn that there's a way greater purpose and plan going on around me than just the thing that I want him to hurry up and do for me. Now, I have a hard time waiting on God, but I have an even harder time waiting on people. And most times I don't, especially when their name is Sean Allen. <laughs> I don't know if you saw on my Facebook, but I went to the Asbury Revival. And we were going to go on Valentine's Day, and it was rainy, and it was work night, and on and on. So we started waiting to the weekend. And I, I wanted my boys to go so bad, and my family to go. And I was trying to get everybody together. And they are like, well, Sean said, I'll go with you Sunday after church. And I started hearing, like, it's getting too too full, people can't get in, all those kind of things. And so I looked on the website Saturday night at 5 o'clock, and it was like, we're going to wind this down. And I saw all kinds of posts, can't get in, the traffic's awful. And I walked in there, I said, I'm going to the revival. Anybody want to go? No? See ya. And I hopped in my car, and I left them all, because so-and-so didn't want to wait in the line, and so-and-so had to work, and on and on. So I put it in my Waze app, and it took me right through the back roads, and I got right up there, no traffic and no problem. And it was about 7 at night, and I parked far away, and it was all a buzz like a festival in the town. And I saw people laying face down on the ground in special moments with God, and my heart was just thumping, you know, like, oh, I can't wait to get to the end of this line. And I kept going and going, like, is this the end, is this the end? And they were like, nope, nope, kept taking me back and back. And I realized I couldn't find the end of the line because you couldn't see the end of the line. It didn't just snake and wrap around on the lawn of the college. It was going down blocks and behind buildings. And my heart was exhilarated, but it was also nervous because I realized this is going to be a wait. So finally, I found the end of the line, and as soon as I got in it, one of the volunteers came, and she started getting on this megaphone and announcing, it's going to be a seven-hour projected wait. And she tried to pull out the 18 to 25-year-olds to a faster line. And she was trying to get all of us, you know, pretty much saying, you're not going to get in. You need to go to a simulcast site. And I thought, I'm not leaving. I will wait. If nothing else, Lord, I want you to know that I'll wait on you. I don't care how long it takes. But then she starts saying, kind of like, you don't understand. It closes to your age group at 1 a.m., it's 7.30, it's a projected hour wait. 
you really should go to a simulcast site. And so the whole line starts buzzing, and there's different languages going on and everything, but everybody's saying, what should we do? You know people will leave. Should we wait it out? What if we wait for five hours, and they close the doors, and we don't get in, and we could have at least gone to a simulcast site? And behind me, I heard two girls, two friends who'd driven from Indiana six hours straight and hopped in that line. And one was 25 and could have gone to the fast pass line, and one was 26 and couldn't. And the 25-year-old, she was full of zeal, and she was willing to wait, and she was telling her friend, oh, I want to experience this with you, and I'll stick with you. And she said, I didn't sign up for all this. I don't want to wait in this line. It's freezing. I don't want to stand this long. Go to your line. I'll go back to the hotel. I'll go sit somewhere at one of these simulcast sites. And I heard them <laughs> bickering back and forth. And I thought, ooh, I'm so glad I didn't bring anybody with me. I could do whatever I want right now. <laughs> but eventually it, they fell silent behind me. And I turned around and they were gone. And I, I hated that for her so bad. The anticipation would grow in my heart every time we'd round a corner. And we were still so far away that people would, uh, this little guy like set up a, a sound system and, and sang hymns over us. And they would send volunteers up and down the lines. And one came and he said, you're still so far away, guys. Does anyone need prayer in case you can't get in? And I was like, me, oh me. You know, I just wanted someone who had been inside of there to just lay their hands on me and pray. And so that happened, and I was so excited. And little things would happen here and there uh, that would cause faith to rise. Um, but after I left that part and kept going, I thought, oh, I'm so selfish. I, that's not why I'm here. I remembered that why I was really there, other than to experience uh, just wanting to be in the place where God was definitely blowing through I wanted to pray for my sons. And now I asked them if I could poke at them a little bit. And they approved of my message and everything I've said. And I want you to know they're good fellas. They, I've watched them give their prized possessions to someone in need before. Um, they're really good kids. They, uh, they're the lights of my life. And they don't dislike Jesus or anything. It's just that Dalton is complacent and content. And... Jackson is still very hesitant and skeptical, and they've been through a lot as we've been tossed about through the ministry days from church to church and situation to situation, and they've seen a lot, and they're hanging back quite a bit. So I want so badly for them to walk closely with Jesus and to experience what I've seen. It goes beyond just getting them to heaven. And so hours passed, and like I said, little things would happen and cause faith to rise. And we'd be like, he's going to do it. He's going to get us in against all odds, you know. And then we would wait. And then we'd see people come out of the auditorium, and the line would move. Some more could go get in. And we were like, yes, it's going to happen. But it was getting to be like 11 o'clock, and it looked still like half a mile of people to get in. And I said, Lord, if I don't make it in, I'm just going to get my line friends to pray for me and my boys, and my needs, and why I'm here. And I thought, if I get up to the doors and they close on me, I'm just going to ask if I can go in there and breathe. And if they won't let me do that, I'm just going to go to the foundation of the building and lay my hands on it and ask him to impart to me whatever's going on in there so I can take it back to my house. And all of a sudden, a man and a woman, like I told you, people were walking up and down and praying. They picked me out of the crowd and they said, We've been asking Holy Spirit who to pray for, and we've been by you twice. 
You've been flagged both times. And I was already stricken with humility because I just talked to God about getting prayer for my boys. And he answered so quickly and so intentionally. And I began to pour out to them why I was there and my concerns and my needs and how I couldn't get them there and they didn't want to be somewhere like that. And I just wanted to stand in for them. And they would pray and pause like they were hearing from heaven. And she prays over me and she says, with the authority of Jesus, she said, your sons will be marked this night because of the faithfulness of their mother. And uh, I was stricken with that, you know, and she leaned into heaven. It felt like a little more. And she began to reference the story where uh, the Israelites were going up against the Amalekites. And God had given Moses a staff, and when he was holding up the staff, his arms were up. They were winning, but when they grew tired and he let it down, they were losing. And so Aaron and another guy came and gave him a rock to sit on, and they got on both sides and held his arms up for him. And she said, I saw you holding a staff up for your family. And Jesus wants you to know he's holding your arms up for you. So I'm dripping tears by this point, you know, (laughs) and how sweet God is because he knows I'm there in a war for my boys to send me a message like that. Sending me something so specific to say, I got you, Tom. You don't have to worry. I know you're tired, but I'm right here holding you up, and I'm stronger than you. And I always win. So I wasn't done in that line. I haven't told a lot of people that story because it tears me up, but it it didn't matter because it was going on all around me. Those things went on all night for people. And you know what? Finally, I did get into that revival. I got in to the destination. But when I got there, I couldn't weep. I was rejoicing because I got what I needed in the wait. And I thought... What I would have missed if God would have taken me straight to the destination. He's going to get you to where you need to be. To where his best is for you. That's the destination. But the wait is where you forge your faith. And my heart is still so sad for the girl that let her friend talk her out of that line. I think all the time what she would have experienced if she would have just waited. I wanted to share a scripture with you that's come alive to me through all this idea of waiting. Because of this experience, I think I understand it in its fullness now. And it doesn't make it any more easy, but it's a household favorite. It's on all kinds of inspirational items. It's Psalm 4610. You've all heard it. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And we've read that a lot. And we think of this little peaceful stream. And we're just so at ease. And whatever burden we're bearing is just floating away. And a little deer's down here drinking. It's just something that we think of when we hear it. But that's not at all what was going on when this verse came about. A little context from 2 Kings tells us that an evil emperor was leading the Assyrian army toward Judah. 
They'd already taken the northern kingdom of the Israelites and carried the people off. They were on their way to Egypt, and they were mowing over whatever was in their way. And Judah was in their way. And whatever brutal, old-timey army from way back when you've seen, just multiply it by about ten. And that's how the Assyrians were. This was not friendly warfare. And so they were heading straight for Judah. Hezekiah was the leader at the time. And the Bible says that God counted him as good in his sight. And he actually led the people back to him. So during his reign, the Assyrian army comes outside the walls of Judah. And they begin to mock and taunt Jehovah God and tell the citizens inside, your leader's leading you right to death. You're crazy if you think your God can get you past us. We've already destroyed everything in our way. And the mocking and the taunting that they're fools to trust God and trust their leader. So it says in chapter 1914 that Hezekiah took a letter that those messengers sent over to the wall and he went to the temple and he placed it there in the presence of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord, the God of Israel, seated on your throne above the winged creatures, you alone are God, ruling over all the kingdoms of the world. And he goes on to say, look what they're saying. Look how they're taunting us. Look what they're threatening. Look what they're saying about you. And in verse 19, it says, Now, Lord our God, rescue us from the Assyrians so that all the nations of the world will know that only you, O Lord, are God. And during this time, Isaiah the prophet, he sends a message over to Hezekiah and he says, In answer to your prayer, the Lord says he has some choice words for the Assyrians. And you should read the whole story. It's so good, all the things that God says to that emperor. But by verse 35, it says, That night, an angel of the Lord went to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 soldiers. At dawn the next day, there they lay, all dead. So... That coffee cup verse with the meadow in the background is actually a commemoration of this event. <laughs> Be still in Hebrew means rafa, which actually means to surrender, to cease striving, to calm down, become weak, let go, release, tremble no more. Essentially, it's not being quiet and peaceful. It just means Give yourself over to God and let him be your strength. When you pair it with and know, it just basically means surrender in order that you may know that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So this verse doesn't mean to quit and see what happens. Hezekiah kept their walls secure. He cried out to God. He prayed. They believed. They took heed to godly advice. They acted accordingly to that advice. They ignored the loud mouth of the enemy and the fear that struck them. They didn't cease warring. They ceased striving and fretting and wringing their hands about an insurmountable battle that they knew that they alone in the flesh could not win. They surrendered what they could do in their own strength and warred in the spirit. And what that looks like today is keeping on holding on to that staff. But just let Jesus hold your arms up because you can't do it. Look at your neighbor and say, be still but move.
<laughs> yes, keep moving, guys. Keep praying. Keep showing up. Keep believing. Keep shaking off people that won't wait in a line for you to see Jesus. Keep taking those mocking lies and messages from Satan right up to your father and say, Dad, look what he's saying about us. Look what he's trying to do to me, your child. And pray over it. And while you're waiting, while you're tucked behind those walls and the enemy tries to psych you out with all those words, you're going to experience what only the Lord can do in his omnipotent power. And I know it's really easy to be cynical about things like that. Like, Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do we have to wait at all? Why did King Hezekiah have to go through that period of wait in order for God to do what he promised? Why did he have to be bothered with it at all? The Lord said he was good in his sight. Why am I waiting on things that have been promised to me? Why am I bothered at all with situations in my life that don't seem to be the way it should be and the way that I planned and the way that I feel like is best with God? I don't want to wait for my boys to have a testimony. I want them to serve you right now, God, and that seems like the best way. And we all have those whys in life, the spouse, the, the situation, the hurt, the baby, whatever, many, many things. Why, 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 why the wait? And I don't know the answer to all that. What I do know that is in the wait, while I'm reminded of how truly powerless I am, and while I cease my fruitless striving, I see my Lord exalted. And when he moves in his time, everyone can marvel at what he's done in my life. And my faith is increased. His glory and my good. Habakkuk 2.3 says, this has become one of my favorite verses. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Now, of all the wonderful things I've heard about my family's future here and at Asbury and long before we were ever here, I've not yet seen it all come to pass. That night after the revival, you might think I'm crazy, I grabbed air while I was in there. I felt like I was just taking a piece of the Spirit of God with me. It was really just a symbolic act of faithfulness. And I carried it all the way home. I got home at 3 in the morning and I went to my boys' doors and just did that. I, got, just, I give them to you, Lord. I can't do it. I can't make them. But I'm standing on what you told me up there. And here we go. The earth didn't shake when I did that, and they still don't like church. <laughs> but I'm believing, and I'm waiting. And I know that his destination and his time is the best. I've warred, and I've grown tired. I've been confident, and I've been confused. I've stood fast, and I've been so weak you could knock me over with a feather. But in all that weight, I have ceased striving. Not moving, but striving. And Satan might be prowling around my walls, trying to psych me out, 
all kinds of lies, but I'm just going to keep parenting and keep serving and keep praying and keep believing and listening to wisdom and laying those messages from the enemy against me and my family and my future in the presence of my God and pray over them and just keep saying, Dad, look what he's trying to do to us. And I know that one morning I'm going to walk out and my enemy is going to be slain before me. And when he does, it'll be in such a way that not only he will be exalted, but I'll get to experience much more of him in the wait than I would if he would have just made my life perfect and got me to the destination. And I can trust him to keep on helping me keep on through it because he's stronger than me and he always wins. The wait is for his glory and for your good. Let's bow our heads. Head bowed. No one looking around. Just a moment between you and God. And I don't know what God is doing. He's obviously doing something. He's doing things in people's lives right now at this very moment. I love you, Philip. Thank you for coming. And maybe you've been running from God. And maybe you've been in a season of waiting. And you're tired. You're tired of waiting. You're tired of waiting on peace. You're tired of waiting on joy. But you're tired. And I'm telling you right now in this very moment, God's reaching his hand out and he's saying, take my hand. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to have an answer for every question. But take my hand in faith. I will give you pasture to lay down in. I will give you peace. I will give you joy. So if that's you this morning, and you say, I want to take the hand of God. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to step into the peace that I've never known before in my life. Would just simply just lift your hand up. Nobody looking around. Just you and God and say, that is me. God sees the hand. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? That is me. I want to step into peace with him. So let's do this, guys. As a family... Let's say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I accept you as both my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, every head bowed and no one looking around. I want to pray over you guys. God, you see every heart in this place. God, you know the weight you know, the, the striving that we've been going through, the seasons that seem to never end. You know all that, God. In the deepest depths, when it seems, where are you, God? Where are you? But you've been there. You're just behind the curtain, and you're working. So, God, I ask, God, that you, God, would give people strength in the waiting. Because obviously, you are speaking in this season. Because this is the second week in a row, God, you spoke to us about waiting. So give us strength to wait. Help us to stay the path. Not to, not to be lured away by the devil, to go to the left or right, but stay your path. It may be uncomfortable, it's unpleasing, 
but it's your path. And the door will open. But give us strength, God, to do that. Give us strength to stay on the path, to hold your hand and say, I trust you, God, because I remember what you told me in the season before. And although that's not come to pass, and I've walked around this mountain time and time again, I know that you're going to open that door. So give me the strength to stay the path. And so we ask that, God, we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a big hand? Yes. Give Tanya a big hand. Wow. If you don't care, guys, you stand to your feet. We're going we're gonna to go into worship one more time. So I'll just ask you, let's, let's just let's give it all to God. Everything that we're dealing with, everything that we're going through, let's just lift our hands, lift our hearts, and just, uh, and just place ourselves in a posture. Say, God, I give it to you. Let's worship, guys.
give God a big praise? Yes, wow. Was that an awesome word by Tanya? That was, man, that, that hit. That hit hard. Um, happy Mother's Day. I know we said it before, but happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. I mean, I, I don't know how y'all put up with some of us, you know. I really don't. And, and you know, it's amazing what you all are, what you all do. I see it in my mom. I see it in my wife and the load you all carry. And just want you to know we celebrate you. And, you know, Mother's Day may not be a very joyous moment, uh, day for, for a lot of mothers, you know, lost a child or, you know, and, and just want you to know that we see you and we, are, we love you and, and we're mourning with you and, and we're praying, we're praying for you. So once you know that. Um, today, since it is Mother's Day, we won't do step two. So go out, take your mom out somewhere good to eat. Spend some money on her. Don't be a tight one. Don't get her a bologna sandwich. Get her some chicken or something, right? Take her somewhere nice. So, uh, let me, let me, oh, two, if you, have, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to be baptized, next week, this is the third Sunday, we will do those baptisms. So fill out that connection card. Put your name and number on there. Trish will get a hold of you. Schedule first or second. Either one that you want to do. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you take that next step. Next step, getting closer to Jesus. Getting closer to Jesus. So if you would, just do that. And we want to celebrate with you and be there with you. So we pray over you. Ushers will be at the back door. You can go enjoy your Mother's Day. Lord, as we come to you, Father, God, we thank you for our mothers. God, we thank you for placing them in our lives, Lord, giving them patience to raise us as the men and women that we are. God, we thank you for them, God. We honor them, Lord, and we exalt them today, Lord. And, and above all that, God, we exalt your name, and we pray blessings upon these people. God, I pray that you give us the strength, the weight, Lord. I pray, Father God, for each and every person here that you would bless them, bless their homes, bless their families. I pray that you bless this offering, Lord, that it will go out into our region, into our hills, into our hollows, Lord, and that you would reach the lost, Lord, and bring them in, Lord, and, 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 and save them. And, Lord, I ask all this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, and we will see you all next Sunday. Have a blessed week.